Say, God is good. good. Amen. Amen. All the time. I got a sermon this morning I'm going to preach called Try, Trust, Not Try. And I I got this sermon out of this idea or this thought, and I don't know whether you all have ever experienced this or not. How many of you have ever tried to help God with your problem? Am I the only one in here that ever tried to help God? And I'm going to tell you a secret right now. He won't help you while you're helping him. And so, uh, you know, this is just one of those things, and it's a, there's a scripture in the Bible, and I'd love to tell you that I know it, and I, I read it uh, two to three times a week for, for 40 years, and I still don't, I, I know it, but I haven't got it down yet. I'm finding out that I do it for good for two or three days, and then I got to go back, and it's 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Now, um, having said that, we're living in a time right now that is more stressful than any time I've ever lived. I mean, if you think that's not true, just turn television on. People are crazy. And, you know, the economy might be crazy and family, people are going nutso on us. And I can't but imagine that some of you guys are going through some stuff. Um, I have been. I'd like to tell you I never went through anything, but I'd be a lie. And I've been through stuff. So this scripture, I, I have, I've gotten accustomed to just quoting it out loud. I, I cast all my care, all of my anxiety. Because there are things I can't fix. Someone say amen. Amen. Have you encountered anything lately that you're like, I ain't no way in the world I can fix this. And this is where we're going to go today. So I'm going to start off by telling you a story. Um, I tried to find it in my John G. Lake book and I couldn't find it. It's in there. I'll find it one day soon. But, But there was a... There was early, early in America, probably around the 1930s, maybe the 40s, there was a dirigible, and I hope I'm saying that right. I haven't looked it up and read it and got the pronunciation. It was one of those big hot air balloons, and they had brought it in to San Francisco Bay, and they were trying to moor it. That means bring it in so people could get on it and go fly away in the thing. Well, during the mooring of this dirigible, Something broke, one of the lead ropes broke, and there were men had ropes pulling it down and trying to tie it off. And something broke, and that dirigible took off, went way up in the air, and there was a bunch of people, a bunch of men, primarily men, hanging on to the ropes. And some of them went up 10, 15, 20 feet, and, and some of them couldn't hold on but a short while. And they begin to fall. Some of them in the water, some of them on the dock, broke legs, you know, got hurt. And, and it was just, I mean, it was a bad, it was a real bad day. This is a true story. This actually happened. And there was this one guy that was hanging onto the rope and he just went out of sight. 50 feet, 100 feet, 150, 200 feet, 1,000 feet. And he's still hanging on to this rope. And the people that are down on the dock are looking up at him and going, he's going to fall and kill himself. 
and he's hanging and he's hanging and he's hanging. And, and, the, and the people now, everything's off of what's happening. They're just looking at this guy waiting on him to just fall. You know, he's so far up there now, he's a speck. And, uh, and so the women are like holding their breath. And, and, and five minutes go by and, and the people are saying, how's he doing it? How is he holding on so long? Because he's going to die. And 10 minutes went by. And 15 minutes went by. And 20, 30, 45 minutes, an hour. And he's still hanging on. And the people are like, How, what's he doing? How's he doing this? Why is he not dead? Finally, they, they secured the dirigible and got one of the ropes back on the pulley and, and they're cranking it back down and, and, and here comes this guy and they can tell he's still alive but and, and, and all of the women are like how do you do it and the men are like he's got some muscles and as they get closer he's starting to wave at everybody and they're watching him going, I don't believe this. And they finally get the dirigible back down and they land him. And, and uh, they came and they said, how did you do that? He said, well, I, I noticed that after a point, I can't drop. And I took the rope and I slung it around me and I made a loop and I tied a knot in it, and I just hung on. I just let it hold me. He said, and finally, I just scooted it under, and I just made a swing. And he said, actually, for the last hour, I've been up there enjoying the city. Now, to me, that's pretty smart because he's got to hold on the rope with one hand while he slings it with the other one. So there was some effort in that. And, and as I read that, and I think I read it in a John G. Lake book, he made this statement, so often you and I get a hold of a scripture and we're, we're holding on to God, but actually you need to let God hold on to you. You need, you know, there are, now let me say this, there are things you're dealing with right now, you can't fix it. What's he going to do? There's, he can't fix where he is. But if he takes that rope and makes a noose, then he can just enjoy his day. And I, and I think that there's a point here sometimes in our life where you need to stop holding on to the word. And you wrap the word and let it hold on to you. And you just sit up there and go, I count it all joy. I mean, glory to God. God's got it. Okay. There's another scripture, and I want to read it to you. Um, uh, as, as I woke up this morning, you know, even though I get my sermon over a three to four day period, five days, six days, sometimes in the morning I'm not done. Listen to this scripture in the book of Ephesians. Don't turn there. You don't need to. Two, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself. Not of you. You. Um, 
I like the picture of the dad and little boy walking down the street together. And, and so often we'll hear the little boy say, I got my dad's hand. He's got you. Dad's got the boy. The boy don't got the dad. You don't got God. God's got you. You might think you're holding on to the word of God, but the word of God is holding on to you. God's holding you up. You ain't holding him up. So having said that, um, this scripture, I want to go back and I want to read it because we need to talk about two kinds of people right now. Okay, and I want you to be the good one. Say, I'm the good one. Uh, 1 Peter 5, and it says in, um, in verse 5, Likewise, you young people, submit yourselves to the older ones with gray hair. I added that there, you know. All of you be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, that's the scripture I want you to wrap around you. I want you to let that hold you. But again, let's go back and talk about people. I've had times in my life, and I know that maybe you have not, where I worked real hard to get God to do something. Have you ever done it? I got my Bible out. I got my scripture out. I'm confessing the word. And I mean, I'm working the word, but it's me. And you know, most of the time, God ain't moving until you quit kicking. Once you go, I don't got it. And God goes, now I can help you. <laughs> I'm going to try to help us because every one of us fall in this trap. So there's two kinds of people. And I want you to go with me now to um, 1 Samuel 15. Let's talk about two kings. We're talking about King David and King Saul. Let's talk about the two of them. And I think many of us know the story. Um, Saul, God anointed Saul to be king. And yet he didn't obey God. Don't go quiet on me. The first service went deathly quiet. I thought that there was a morgue. I was preaching in a morgue. Come on, every once in a while you've got to hear a little bit of something that you're like, Woo. Look at your neighbor and say, I think he's trying to help you. <laughs> 1 Samuel 15 and verse 2. And the Lord of hosts, I'm going to punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. And he ambushed him on the way and came up from Egypt. And go and attack Amalek and destroy all that they have and don't spare them. Kill both man and woman, infant, nursing, child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. You read that and you think, well, that's, that's not very nice. All right. Let me give you the story of Amalek. Amalek was a very wicked people. And there was a point in the Bible that God said, don't kill them yet. I'm waiting on them to get re repent. God is very patient with people. But this people had gotten to where they were having sex with animals. And the, the children were being born with diseases. There was a plague in their land. In other words, everything around them was diseased. 
Now, God doesn't want that disease spreading. So sometimes he's got to send fire and brimstone, which is salt and fire, and just go, we got to clean it up. Or it's going to infect the whole earth. See, when you get an, an infection in your body, you need to get it out of there. It'll kill you. And so he's, he said this to Saul for a reason. He's not being mean to these people, but he's like, you got, you, the, the, the sheep have it. The donkeys have, I mean, every, the, kids, the kids are infected. You, you need to go in there and clean it up. And it's not that God's being mean, but he gets sent Saul because he doesn't want this infection getting into his, to Israel. But, but Saul didn't do it. Saul went in, let the people bring home the animals to eat, which is going to harm them. And so this is the scenario that we're dealing with here. And, and, a lot, and even though that you may not know and understand why God's doing something, sometimes you need to just let God be God. So let's go to the Garden of Eden. Let's talk about this just a second. Do not eat the fruit of that tree. Now that means do not eat that tree. And so Eve goes, well, it's pretty. You're right. Don't eat it. Well, it'll make me smart. It will. Don't eat it. So I told this story in first service, and you guys need to hear this. When I was growing up, my mother told me, do not put a bobby pin in an outlet. (laughs) Outlets are good. You you put lamps in them, you put hair dryers in them, but not bobby pins. And I always wondered why she said that. So one day I found out. I'm five. This is Jonesboro, Georgia. I remember that day like it was yesterday. Because when you're a kid and you do something stupid, your brain goes, I'll never forget this. (laughs) And I can remember, you know, I'm walking along in the living room and I find one of my mother's hairpins. And I remembered walking up and opening it up. Wham! Wow! I remembered hitting the wall on the other side of the living room. I remembered my guts going inside me. And I remembered my mother coming in and finding me on the other wall. Living room small. And I remembered... That's why she didn't want me to put the bobby pin in there. And I think Adam and Eve are standing in the garden going, I think I figured this out. And I want you to know something that there's a lot of times God said don't. And he's not being mean. He's like, don't do that. Will not turn out very good. But we're kind of like, I don't know why. I understand. It makes sense to me. So Saul is doing this. He's he's disobeying God, and he's done it over and over and over. So I'm going to read something to you, and and I just want you to remember this all your life. And this may be you. It may be your spouse. It may be your next door neighbor. I don't know who it is. Those who disobey will be troubled and demoted. Those who obey will be persecuted and exalted. God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. God is waiting on you to decide whether he's lifting you or leaving you alone. 
And the word will work. But you're not holding God up. He's holding you up. And sometimes we have this problem with, I'm going to help him out. <laughs> no, you're not either. And some of you that are married, you know how your spouse doesn't do everything right and you're going to go in there and fix it? It doesn't work. Thank you all. Some of you all are going, I'm not married. I used to be. <laughs> Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I understand all this. There was a time if you were divorced, you couldn't be a pastor, but they ran out of men. <laughs> now we're all used goods, but anyway, never mind. I'm, I'm just... Verse 10, I greatly regret I have made Saul king. For me, he has turned back from following me and not perform my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried to the Lord all night. Now, I'm going to read to you what he says to him, and I want you to pay attention to this. Verse 21 says, the people took the plunder. It's not my fault. You know, we're watching America right now, and we're watching people that think if you just burn a building down, we'll fix our issues. No, I don't think that we're fixing the issues because you burned a building down. But they're not obeying God. Listen, just listen to me. Your problem is not the other person. About the time you think that it's someone else Go home and see if it's you. Because Saul is like, God anointed David, and now he's mad at David. It took a little while, and I'm going to say something about pastoring, and I'm over it. It took a while before it dawned on me that the people I was trying to save were trying to kill me. Because I'm trying to save them. It, it, it's just Sometimes when you're trying to help somebody... I don't really appreciate it very much. Okay. So we'll get into that a little bit more in just a minute. I got another story to tell you. But anyway, listen to this and, and then I'll get on. It says, um, and Samuel said, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? As obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To heed than the fat of rams. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness, iniquity, and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he's rejected you from being king. Now, now let's, um, let's mentally go back over there to 1 Peter. God gives grace to who? Humble. He don't give grace to everybody. He, if, you're, if, you're, if you're trying to fix it, you're, you're by yourself. But if you'll submit to God, he'll help you. You're going to have to be the one that goes, you know, I think I'm going to quit working so hard on this. All right, now I'm going to tell you another story now. Are you all ready? Now this is my favorite story out of the two, but this one I'm going to read to you. I love reading stories. I, I love stories because I may forget a sermon, but I'll never forget a story. And this story has helped me because there's times that God will bring me back mentally to the story I read years ago. And then I'll go find my book and read it again because it ministered to me so much. This whole thing of 1 Peter 5, 7 I would like to tell you I haven't used, you know, I, I, I got it down. I don't use it. I use this weekly. I'm always running into something and I'm going, 
I'm going to have to give this to you because there's nothing I can do about this. America, are you, do you think we're really going to fix this? Uh, I'm, I'm pro-Trump, but I don't think he's is either. He's no savior. He's a man. It's gonna, God's going to have to turn some stuff around. All right, let me read this story. When I was a boy, I used to visit the Solocks in St. Saul Marie, Michigan, where my home was. One day, a sailor was up in the mast. He lost his balance and shot over the ship into the water. Another sailor stood on the railing of the ship and watched him. He went down, he came up. He went down, he came up. And everything was in foam around him. And still the fellow stood there. Then the chap went down a third time, limp, and just as he disappeared, he shot in the water and came up with him. A couple of the gentlemen stood by and said, that fellow has taken men out of the water before. He waits until all the kick is out of them, otherwise they will both be drowned. Good story. You know, some people are still kicking. In other words, you're dealing with something and you still are working on it. And God's up there waiting for you to quit kicking. Thank y'all. Just like the first service went dead quiet on me. Just We left the building. No. How many of you have done any uh, lifeguarding? Yeah, we got a few in here. They will tell you, you understand that when you rescue a person... They will kill you. You, So if you dive in, they will climb on you and kill you and them. As a Christian, you're trying to fix people and they're killing you and them both. So you're not going to have to pray that they quit kicking. Let them resolve the fact that I'm dead. Then you can help them. Dive in and get behind them. Grab them in a neck hold. They will swear you're trying to kill them. Then drag them to shore. Now let's go back to my story. When I first started pastoring... I, I, I tried so hard to help people, and all the people I helped got mad at me. And I went, why are you mad at me? I, I'm in the water helping you. And I mean, and now I'm the bad guy. Who did Saul hate? David. What did David do? David didn't do anything. I mean, David's out there minding his own business, taking care of sheep. And then Saul's the one disobeying. Now listen, we live in a world full of people who are not obeying God. You can't go down to Portland right now and fix it. They'll kill you. I don't care if you're preaching. You got relatives right now. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You've tried to help them. They're like, Have you ever washed a cat? Don't. Not unless you defang him. 
Because that cat will eat you while you're trying to give it a bath. So will family members. So Saul, I know it's good preaching. So David has running for his life. And here's the good news. He never stopped trusting God. He didn't attack Saul. Saul came after him and they said, you go ahead and kill him now. I'm not touching him. When he hid in the cave and Saul comes out. Listen, leave Saul to God. Leave your in-laws to God. Matter of fact, give all your problems to God. You, you just take the promise. You get wrapped up and let it hold you. There are times you've got to take the situation you're in and go, I'm going to give this to you. There isn't anything I can do about this right now. It's out of my hands. I'm floating out here a thousand feet above everybody, and I'm about to die. Just take the word of God, wrap it around you real good. Hang on, enjoy your day. Somebody is going to get you down. Now, see, I don't know whether y'all know it or not, but I found out that if I'm not singing, I'm worried. And if I'm worried... God's not helping. Okay, one more time. I've had to mentally sit down and go, I can't fix this. And and I want to. So bad. And you can't. And you got to go, God, and we'll give it to you. It's not that you're not doing anything. You are wrapping the rope is doing something. It's not that you're being negative. I'm not, well, I just don't feel like I'm doing anything. Putting a rope around you is doing something. But, but letting him hold you now is what you're doing. Okay. I'm doing pretty good, aren't I? All right. So we see that David later, he becomes the king. God dealt with Saul. Let God do his job. There are... Pick your fights. Not every fight's worth winning. You may win the fight and lose the war. Not every, you don't need to fix everybody. You know, I, if I've learned one thing, I mean, I'm, I, I hate to brag that I'm getting older. But there's something about getting older that means I'm not as dumb as I used to be. Give me a high five. Just, you know, I look back when I was younger and I think, I wish I had the energy now and the brains that I have now and the body I had. And, and, and my, my grandson Cody is here. Where is he in the back? And, and, I, and I love my grandson. And, and, I, and all of my grandkids, I say, you don't know what you don't know. So ask somebody with gray hair. <laughs> because what you're doing, I did it. And it didn't work. <laughs> and I know Cody's going, yes, sir. As long as I'm buying the coffee, he's listening to me. And no, I love, I love my grandkids. I've, I've, I told them the other day, I said, we're going to have, I'm, I'm going to start taking them all out for coffee. I don't, and I'm too old to worry about whether you like me or not. I'm going to take you to coffee. All my kids, all my grandkids, we're having papa time now, you know. Because I wish that I had had a dad and I wished I'd had a grandpa I could sit with. 
I learned too much the stupid way. <laughs> you can say amen anytime you want to. Amen. Amen. And, and listen, I'm gonna, that's why it says that you submit to the elder because honest to God, we might be slow, but we are not stupid. You know, there's a lot of things I'm going to say, but they're not Christian, so I'm going to be quiet. There's a, there's a non-Christian saying that says, I'm too old to take a, back, a butt whooping, so I carry a gun. I used to fix it with my fist, but I can't. I said that Christian, didn't I? Okay. <laughs> I don't know how I got off on all that. <laughs> Psalm 127, go over there. Psalm 127. Is this, is this okay? Now, let me make a statement to you about this sermon. You'll need it next month. I have a CD by Kenneth Hagin on Cast All Your Cares on the Lord. I'm still not done listening to it. You know how many times I've listened to that CD? Over and over and over. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure when I die, some, somebody in my family will inherit it. I hope I haven't worn it out by then. Not by one, because you're going to need it. Amen. Psalm 127, look at this. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now, let's talk about this church for a minute. This is a good church. And I have a confession to make. I'm not this smart. I'm going to write a book one time called How to Grow a Church. It won't take me but about two minutes to write the book. Because it will only have one word in it. God. Look around this church at the people that are here. We got people like Kevin and Jackie Anderson and, and, and people like Shirley. How do you get someone with Shirley's caliber to come and stick? God. Only God. I, I've never done anything to cause this woman to love God. How do you get someone like Rosie to come to this church and to? Be faithful. How, how do you get the bevels to come? How do you get, how does a man who's 67 get a gorgeous woman to lead worship and to marry him? Well, first of all, you do it before you turn 67, but. How many things are you enjoying now? You didn't do it. I mean, you just, I mean, it's just God blessed you. And I'm sitting there looking, and I've had issues with this church, and I'm going to tell you a story right now. When the Lord asked me to take this church, honestly, I didn't have good sense at all. I went to school, Bible school. That don't mean, I'm looking back now going, they should have locked me up. God had enough faith in me to turn me loose, and the, he, and then he gave me Betty Mae to pray me through it all. And, 
But I'm going to tell you a story right now. One day I went in and someone told me there's only $200 in the checkbook. Well, I told God that I couldn't do it. And now I'm proving him right. I'm proving that I'm right and he's wrong. And, and I mean, we don't have enough money to keep the doors open. What am I going to do? Say nothing. You can't. This is the only business where we ask you if you want to support it. Run your business like this. Come in, eat all you want to, and we would love to have an offering. Really? Run a restaurant like that. You'll go broke. So it has to be people that love God enough to give. There's no way to do that on your own. You can't do that without God. So, so anyway, that Sunday morning, they came to me and said, well, you have $200 in the account. And I'm going, well, we can't stay open a week. And, uh, and some of y'all know who Carmen Chandler is. And I don't, I'll mention his name because he's such a sweet guy, and I'm not telling the bad things on him. But right, we're in the foyer where everybody's about to go home, and I'm a little worried. I'm going, well, I don't know how to tell everybody. We, we don't have any money. And Carmen pulls up in his raggedy old van and jumps out and he runs in. He's got blue jeans on and sandals on and a t-shirt. And he goes, oh, oh, I'm glad I caught you. I was trying to get out of town and God told me to come back and give you my tithe. And he hadn't tithed in months. And he handed it to me and I went, I guess we're going to be over another week. Well, we're still open. You know, I mean, I mean, God's always had people. He's always had faithful people. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in a church, and it's not someone doing it. God's doing it. There's things that are happening in your life. God is fixing it. He's doing it. You aren't doing anything. As a matter of fact, if I could just get you to quit kicking, he'd probably do more. He's waiting on you to quit kicking so he can dive in and go, I'll help you when you quit trying so hard. In other words, let's start counting it all joy now. Thank y'all. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. Proverbs 3, 5. Let's go over there. Carefree living. Faith is carefree. Um, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, and I say do not. Do not lean to your own understanding. I, I, I say this with love. We don't know enough. I'm not saying we're stupid. You, you and I don't know enough to fix the circumstances we're in. You don't, you don't have a, in your cranium. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. Just let him be God. Um, I was listening to Mark Hankins this week, and um, I've always been curious at how he handled hearing Trina had an inoperable brain tumor, and his wife is going to die. 
I'm always curious at what he did. And this week I heard him tell the whole story. I was listening to a CD. And he said that when the doctor came to him and said, your wife has an inoperable brain tumor, Mark looked at him and said, with your permission, I'd like to talk to the tumor. I'd like to have words with the tumor. And he went in to his wife and laid his hands on her and told the tumor where to go. You will, li- you will not live, you will die in Jesus' name. My next question was, what did he do after that? He said, and Trina and I sat down and we worshiped God. What are you going to do about an inoperable praying to Nothing. Are you all out there? And he said, we worshiped, and we sang, and we rejoiced. Now, you, when we read the Bible, rejoice in the Lord. What that means is, you're a thousand feet up, you might want to find a scripture and wrap it around you. You're not going to hold on to this rope. This rope's going to have to hold on to you. And he got a hold of the word of God, and he tied that word around him and Trina. And once you are, you're relaxing. You're not trying. Now listen to me. I've done this. You can ask my wife. I have tried to take my Bible and get healed. Have you? I have. I've tried to take my Bible and to get it to work. You don't. You tie it on you, you let it work. And how do you know you're letting it work? You're rejoicing. If you're not swinging, you're holding. If you're not holding, you're swinging. The rope's got you or you got the rope. But if you've got the rope, you're in trouble. Because you don't have that kind of ability. I'm doing pretty good, aren't I? All right. There's another scripture, and I want to read it. Um, Proverbs 75, 6. Don't y'all love the word? Psalm 75, 6. Thank you, Lisa. That's four mistakes this year. I mean, that's absolutely, I can't believe Psalm 75. And then I got another story to tell you. I always got stories to tell you. You say, well, are you going to church today? Yeah. Let's go listen to some stories. (laughs) Exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another one. If God ain't lifting you, you ain't going up. You might want to cooperate a little bit. Now, I'm going to tell the story of me. You're talking about, um, you know you know the Bible because you can read it and you say you know it. You don't know it until you've done it and found out what does work and doesn't work. That's how you learn the Bible. 
So when I married Lisa, she was thoroughly convinced that she had married Kenneth Copeland, and I never told her otherwise. She said, you remind me of Kenneth Copeland. I said, I am. Now, when you're 30 and you've got hair, you can do a lot of stuff with a pretty girl. Well, one of the things that I told her was I had a call of God on my life. And she wanted to marry someone with a call of God on her life. Well, after we get married, she noticed that I'm laying block. I'm a construction worker. And that began to bother me a little bit that my wife is starting to think, maybe I'm marrying the wrong guy. Maybe I should have married the other guy. At least he was handsome. Tall, dark, and handsome. And, you know, there's, there's something to be said for tall, dark, and handsome until you need brains. And... I'm not picking on you right now. I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I didn't say nothing to you. <laughs> but it started to bother me. I'm going to tell you all it started to bother me. So Lisa and I started a ministry, Wings of Freedom. I got three places to preach one year, two city jails, no, one city jail, a halfway house, and where else was the third one? Where did I, oh, and a church in, in Claremont, Okoy. Out of all of my sermons I preached that year, three, I think the offerings came to about 80 bucks, $30. The 8086 computer we bought was 1500 and now I'm bringing in 80. That's good, real good. I'm beginning to feel a little like a loser. And I'm going to be honest with y'all, I tried. I did everything I knew. And I got, I got to where I didn't even believe I was called. And I'm depressed. I'm just slapped, depressed. And one day, I opened up to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I had a talk with God. I said, I'm tired of trying to make, I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> and I said to him, I've done everything I know. And as of today, if you want me in ministry, you do it. Now, I didn't have enough sense to know that God's up there going, it's about time. <laughs> He's waiting on me to quit kicking. Because if I make it, I'm going to brag. I'm going to say I did it. And I remembered I opened up the first Peter 5, 7. And I said, starting today, I will never mention this to another human being the longest day I live. If you want me in ministry, you put me in ministry. But I'm going to lay block. And I'm gonna be, and I quit. I quit trying. Wasn't long after that, Air Mobile Ministries got a hold of me and asked me if I'd like to fly. Yes. To the Bahamas one week a month and preach the gospel. Well, I began doing that, and I thought, wow. I thought that was it. Anytime you're shooting lobster and grouper, and in the Bahamas. You're in the will of God. (laughs) 
And so I finally am in the will of God, even though it's part-time. And, and, and I remembered that it wasn't long we went down to Laganov, Haiti. And um, I'm on an island down there preaching the gospel. And the Lord says to me, when you get home, there's a church in Apopka that's going to ask you, and you are their next pastor. And I thought, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I like the Bahamas. I got a Hawaiian sling and flippers and everything. A, a ministry sling and a ministry flippers and ministry mask. And God did it. I had to learn a lesson. I, I'm gonna, and I'm preaching this today and I'm making it fun. But listen, as long as you are struggling, God's waiting on you to quit. And I'm not telling you to do nothing. Wrapping the word around you is doing something. But if you're not resting in the word, God's gonna, you're going to have to let God do his job and be God. And right now as I'm talking, and I'm going to say this, we've got people in this room right now, you're killing yourself trying to make something happen. What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about these kids? What am I going to do about my husband? What am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about this? Yeah. Maybe get your Bible out, find the scripture, tie it around your backside, and start rejoicing in yeah. the Lord a little bit. I mean, not worrying is doing something. It took me a while, and I wished, that, I wished I could tell you that I have this down, and I don't ever worry anymore. I'd be lying. I get tempted. I'm going to say something. I'm fixing to say something. I ain't going to do that anymore. I'm going to say something right now. I'm fixing to say something. No, you're not going to say nothing. You're going to shut your mouth. Leave it to God. No, I'm going to say something right now. I'm fixing to say something. Somebody say amen. amen. It's a whole lot easier to just get you, get the word out, go spend time with God. This is what you said. And I'm not talking about shirking responsibility. If you have three-year-old children, they don't belong to God. They belong to you. God, don't change diapers. You do. And I'm talking about the dishes at home in your sink. You don't give them to God. I'm going to give it to God. No, you're not going to give that to God. I know this grass needs to be mowed, but I'm going to give it to the Lord. No, you're not going to give that to the Lord either. I gave the Lord my belly one time, and he just got bigger. I mean, I'm just giving it to the Lord. <laughs> Amen. And then Zach comes along and says, you know how to do something about that belly. You can't even see your shoes anymore, Pastor. You, know. you did not say that. <laughs> Zach calls me pastor at large. I said, that does it. I'm not going to. Good news is I lost two and a half pounds last week. The bad news is I found it yesterday. <laughs> no, not really. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. 
I'm on, I'm on it now. I understand. That's my responsibility. When's the last time you were mad at someone else because they needed to straighten up? You need to stop. You being mad at David. Some, uh, let me give you a little word of wisdom. Learn to say, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Saul needed to learn to go, I was wrong, I'm sorry. Not to keep disobeying. Now, sometimes what you're going through, you did it. Okay. Now, with David, you're either a David or you're a Saul. You're either the problem or you got someone. And both of them, are, neither one of them are good. Let me read that to you again. You're either disobeying and you're, and you're, and you're troubled and you're going to get demoted or you obeying, you're going to get persecuted and exalted. You're one of the two people. Decide now who you are. But if you're David right now and you're dealing with it, naturally you're going to have problems at home. You're going to live for God. You're going to have issues around you. But as long as you have made up your mind that you're not going to touch it, David, let God put him in the throne. Jesus, let God raise him from the dead. There are some things you need to let God do. Now, you know how I know that you need this sermon? When I see you coming in and you look like you've been sucking lemons all in. I need a sermon on 1 Peter 5, 7. And now you're smiling, so I know we did good. Okay, let's do something. I mean, I'm, 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 I've got two minutes left in this church. I know that in the room right now, there's, there's some of you, you're, you're carrying this stuff around with you. You've been, you've been working hard to fix this problem. And God's just waiting on you to quit. I want you to do something with me right now, and I want you to take this stuff you're trying to fix. That's, that is not your responsibility. You, you can't fix it. And I want you to get it in your hands. Put it in your hands. Come on, let's get it in your hands. Let's do this. I do this at home all the time. You know what's in your hand. It may be your job. It may be a relationship. I don't know what it is. But it's driving you nuts. And you lost your joy. You're running around upset and sad all the time. Let's get in there. Say, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. This is something I can't fix. I don't know what to do about it. Starting now. I'm going to take your word. That if I cast this care on you, you will lift me up. I trust you. I'm going to be lifted up. You're going to fix it. But I'm giving it to you in Jesus' name. I won't touch it again. I'm not going to try to fix it. Starting now, you got it. I don't. Thank you, sir. I'm casting my care on you, and I'm giving you the glory, and starting now, I'm going to sing in Jesus' name. Folks, I'm, I'm making it sound easy. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something. That thing is going to meet you in the parking lot. 
And you might have to sit in your car and go, one more time, God. <laughs> I want to go back and talk about this church a minute. This is a great church. And I didn't build it. I'd love to tell you I did, but I didn't. I'm amazed at what God's doing here. But we're going to have to give him glory. Now, I know you think I'm smart. But ask Lisa. <laughs> one of the best days of my life was when I quit fighting. Can I tell you one more story? Just one. I got time. And I know Lisa doesn't mind me doing this. When we were living in a rental house, Lisa came down with adrenal fatigue. Is that what that was? And you know, I mean, it, she's sick. She's really not doing well at all. And I could see that she was starting, the devil starting to tell her, you're going to die. I could see it on her face. I'm coming home at the end of working and going out of the cabin and working and and this is getting to her soul. You're not going to get healed. And you're probably going to die. And I went in the room with her and I looked at her and I said, you're going to have to get over the fear of dying. I don't know if she had the strength whether she to hit me. Because if you've got a spouse that says that to you, apparently you don't care. But I did care. I said, the fear of dying is killing you. And I'm thinking, how long was it like? Maybe an hour later. She came out and she said, you're right. And she cast the care of that over on God. And she began to just give him glory. I'm not afraid to die. And she turned it loose. And that was when her healing began. God ain't working. If you're not rejoicing, he ain't working. And she began to recover. And I've seen since that day, she's a whole lot more carefree. And sickness doesn't scare her anymore. It's not that she's not been sick, but, it, but she doesn't let it scare her. And she's learned to go, I cast the care of this on God. Our children. I mean, sometimes we've had some situations. You're thinking, oh. And I've seen her sit in the living room and open her Bible and go, God, I just cast the care of this over on you. And just I see her get happy and start worshiping God. And I know she's got the victory because she's in faith. She's allowing, she's taking that word and wrapping her soul. It isn't that she's not doing anything. Oh, she's doing something. She's just not letting it kill her. And I've watched God turn bad situations around because this woman prayed. Amen. The things you're dealing with right now, God will turn it around. One more time. God will turn this around. Say it with me. God will turn it around. Now, the only thing you got right now is that one scripture. You don't, that's all you got. All you got's a rope you're sitting in. That's all you got. That's all you need. All right, we took care of some business today, didn't we? 
What if it doesn't? Don't let, him, don't let it kill you anyway. Whatever's going on, I got news for you. God's in the business. He is the glory and the lifter of your head. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Say, God's got it. Amen. God bless every one of y'all. Y'all been great. Praise the Lord. Don't you just love church? I love church. You know, and when every time, the Bible says that his words are spirit and they're life. Every time you hear it or read it for yourself, it brings life to you. And your soul, your spirit needs that life. Amen. Every part of you, your soul, your body. And so the definition of care, if you'll look it up, it's this. You know, sometimes we say, I just cast all my worries and my anxieties on him. That's good. But the definition of care goes a lot further. It's the provision for what's necessary for the well-being, the welfare, the health, and the maintenance of someone or something. Now, I've memorized that because I had to get in there and read what the definition, and I just, it didn't mean anything to me. Cast the care. I cast the worry. I had to look it up. And that's what the word care in its truest sense means. It's the provision for what's necessary for the well-being, the welfare, the health, and the maintenance of someone or something. And so the way I say it now to myself, the word cast means to release. I throw out, I release from me the provision for what's necessary for the well-being, I release it unto him. That provision is now in his court. The provision for what's necessary for the health, the welfare, the well-being, the protection and the maintenance of this situation. For he, God, cares for me. So he's the one now providing what's necessary for my provision, my welfare, my health, my maintenance, well-being, and my protection. So if you just look up that that word, it will help you when you're praying, when you're releasing, go, oh, there's because care, is, you're providing. When you're caring for someone, you're providing for them. But you have to let God do it. Amen? So this morning, I'm so glad that you're here. If you're a first-time visitor, thank you for coming. We have a gift for you out of the information booth. If I can have my um, altar workers just come on up. We love you so much. And if you need prayer this morning, we want to be here with you. The Bible says, if any two shall agree on earth as touching anything they ask, it shall be done for them of my Father in heaven. Sometimes you need agreement. We want to provide that care for you after service. You don't always have that at home. And if you're here this morning and you don't ever remember a time where you said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I confess you as Lord. You need to do that today because you're not guaranteed heaven. Because you believe there's a God. The Bible says the devils believe there's a God. And they tremble. You don't want to be in that same class with them. And so believing on Jesus is different than believing there's a God. That's when it makes it personal to you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth, your mouth, the Lord Jesus. If you confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have to say, 
I believe he did this for me and I accept it. And if you're here this morning and you don't ever remember a time that you did that, come up and do it this morning. Get right with God. Amen. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And I say this every Sunday morning, but if you're here with someone, if you've brought someone and you're not sure, just turn to your neighbor, your friend, your family member and say, I'm not sure you've ever done that. Have you? Ask them. If you can't do this in church, you're not going to minister to anybody out there on the street. So you might as well just get used to it and say, you know, it doesn't matter what anyone thinks about you. If, they're, if death and life is in the balance here. The truth is, is that if you know how much God loves you, and the guy that made the whole universe and the stars and the solar system, he loves you. Identify with his love. So when someone spits in your face and doesn't like you, that's a problem that they have. Not you. Amen? God loves you. So if someone looks at you and says, shut up, at least you asked. <laughs> God said, if you don't ask, their blood's on your hand, on your head. You know, ask them. Most of the time, they're not going to say it. It's very few people that will be that ugly to you, even on the street. Most of the time, they don't, they allow you to at least pray with them or pray for them over something. Everybody, most everybody wants prayer. It's very few that will spit in your face and get mad. And that's when you, you pray for them when you go home, that God will touch their heart. Nobody's been praying for them. I said something to someone the other day. I said, let's pray for this person. They're like, okay. Because who else is? Who else is? We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.